Oh, thank you, Fiona. Um, let's pray, shall we? Lord, thank you that we are able to gather here. Thank you for creation, and thank you for your heart for creation. God, I pray uh, that you would give us your heart for creation this evening. Stir something up in our hearts tonight. Uh, speak to each of us, and let us leave this place changed because of what you're going to say to us this evening. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So as you have probably guessed by now, uh, we are talking about creation. Uh, tonight's service is called Let's Talk About Creation. Now, I believe that there actually is value in literally talking about creation, about the creation that we see around us. David, who wrote our psalm that Fiona read for us, he talks about creation. He actually talks about it. And that talking about creation, that pushes him to be a worshipper of the creator. In this psalm that we're focusing on tonight, David is just gushing about creation. He can't stop. He can't shut up about creation. He literally talks about creation, and that pushes him to worship the creator. And it's not just in Psalm 8 that he does this. In Psalm 19, he talks about the heavens declaring the glory of God. In Psalm 139, it talks about the human body, how it's created fearfully and wonderfully in our mother's womb. And in Psalm 104, it talks about how God rules over creation, how he sustains it, how he built the foundations, how he provides water. David talks a lot about the creation that he saw. And he worshipped the creator a whole lot because of it. So I wonder this evening, shall we talk about creation so that we too are led to worship the creator? I wonder what is it in creation that makes your heart sing? What is it in creation that makes your heart sing? Perhaps it's the ocean, or the mountains, or the rolling hills. Maybe it's the sound of the rain, or the warmth of the sun on your skin. Maybe it's the bird song as it travels through the air. Just for a second, picture what makes your heart sing within creation. Now, like I said, this is a let's talk about, so I think we've got to talk about it. I'd love just for five minutes if you turn to some people around you and share what makes your heart sing in creation. Whether you're a Christian or not, I think we can appreciate creation. So wherever you are uh, tonight, I'd love you to share that with those around you. that was enough time to at least hear what a few people um, feel makes their hearts sing in creation. If I could draw your attention back to the front, that would be awesome. I oh, know, rowdy, Chris says you are. Awesome, thank you. Now, 
like I said, we're talking about this, and I think it's encouraging to hear uh, what makes people's hearts sing, what captures uh, people's hearts and minds uh, about the world that God has made. So um, Chris is going to uh, run around with the microphone. Would anyone be up for sharing? Maybe it's a specific place uh, that you just love um, or a specific thing about creation, but uh, what makes your heart sing? Just pop up your hand if you're up for sharing. Thanks. You choose, Chris. That's a lot of responsibility. <laughs> I love um, being up on like cliff tops when the wind is like beating at you and it's just gorgeous. You can see the sea below and yeah. Thanks. God feels very powerful in those moments. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Anyone else? I was in the garden earlier today and uh, there was a heron by the pool um, and it, uh, I took a couple of photos, I went back for my camera and then uh, family partridges came out with the young birds and I've never really got into birds but feeding these animals daily, uh, seeing their feathers and the structure of their feathers, mm. they are absolutely amazing Good. and God's creation just for us to enjoy. Thank you. Gorgeous, gorgeous. And in your own garden. I think that's beautiful. There's one right at the back, Chris. Thanks. A biology student said to me some years ago that it's amazing that the moon is the exact size for, to eclipse the sun in its orbit and in, in lunar orbits around the Earth. And the other fact was the earth was tilted at an axis to enable us to have seasons so we can plant, watch things grow, and then harvest. Yeah, thank you. And a science lesson. Thank you so much. Look at that. One more. One more. Yeah, go on, Roz. Right down the front, Chris. <laughs> you have to tell me later. <laughs> Go on, Roz. What uh, do you love? Uh, the, create the, the nature and the wilderness. The wilderness. wilderness and nature. Yeah, thank you. A nice foresty wilderness. Thanks, Chris. Um, as we just experienced, you know, there is so much beauty in God's world. And I love um, that each person is kind of drawn uh, to something different. I actually think humans are quite cute in the way that um, different things capture uh, your imagination and your attention uh, in nature. Now, I like to think uh, that for David, our author, that it's the night sky that does it for him. It's the night sky that makes his heart sing, that as he spends his nights gazing up at the moon, at the stars, his heart sings the words of this psalm to his creator God. David sees both the enormity and the beauty of creation, and he knows that it is the work of God's hands. And in this psalm, David shows us the value of just considering creation, of considering it, of looking, of seeing, of being in the world that God made. And David's worship comes from the consideration of the night sky. The beauty that David sees points him to the beauty of God and draws him into that state of thankfulness, of declaring who God is and what he's done. So my question is, how are we considering creation? How are we in amongst what God has made? Are we allowing ourselves time to look, to see, and to be 
in the creation that proclaims the goodness and glory of God. We need to be in amongst it to enjoy the gift that God's given us and to see more of him through what he's made. Because as we marvel in creation, we marvel in the creator. Because creation points to the creator. Creation points to the creator, but it also points to the created. For example, I wonder, have you ever been in creation and just felt so human? You've just felt so human. I hope this makes sense to some other people, but you know when the enormity and the beauty of creation makes me so aware of the fact that I am created. Sometimes we feel invincible, don't we? In control and incredibly important, or actually maybe incredibly stressed because you think you should be invincible and in control and incredibly important. As we go about our own lives, we're often stuck in our own situations. Other times, like when you stand at the foot of a mountain or you're on the shore of the sea, you acknowledge your humanity on a new level. You realize that you are so small, that you're not in control and you totally shouldn't be. You realize that there are things that are bigger than you and that is a good thing. This quote from the guy whose feet were the very first uh, to step onto the moon, Neil Armstrong, um, this quote sums it up very nicely. He says this, it suddenly struck me that that tiny pea, pretty and blue, was the earth. I put my thumb up and shut one eye and my thumb blotted out the planet earth. But I didn't feel like a giant. I felt very, very small. As you consider creation, you gain perspective on who is the creator and who is the created, and that that's the way round that it should be. And that's where David is as he writes this psalm. His stargazing has led to soul-searching as he asks, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them? As he dwells on his surroundings, he can't help but think to his own place in them. He can't help but think of his own place and his own purpose in the enormity and in the beauty of creation. David's wonder at creation, it doesn't lead him to doubt God's care for humanity. He doesn't doubt it. He doesn't look at the vastness of creation and think, but I'm tiny, therefore God must not care. I must be meaningless. I must not matter to God. He doesn't doubt God's care. Instead, David knows that God is mindful of him. He has assurance of that. He simply wonders why and maybe how. He doesn't understand it, but he believes it. It's a kind of bewildered astonishment at the heart of God. Why does he care and how does he care? but I know he does. It's an awe-powered thankfulness that the God who places the stars in the sky sees me and sees you and is mindful of us. God's greatness is seen through creation. We see his power, of course we do. We see his might, we see his intelligence. 
But the wonderful truth that David is navigating in this passage is that God's greatness in creation does not mean his remoteness to humanity. His greatness in creation does not equal his remoteness in humanity because there's an awe and there's a wonder to be found in that greatness yet closeness of our God. We see the splendor of God in the world around us and then in the intricacies of our own lives, we understand his splendor on a personal level. Because as we look to the mountains, as we look to the oceans, as we look to the birds, as we look to the animals, we look to that as God's creation, but we can also look to ourselves as his creation. Just as the stars reveal the power and the beauty of God, so do we as human beings. He is a caring creator whose heart is to know the created, not to be detached from nature, but to be immersed in his creation and particularly to have a relationship with the created humanity, with me and with you. And we're, we're led back to the beginning of the Bible here. We're led right back to Genesis 1 and 2. And David, in this psalm, he's recounting the narrative of creation. He's, he's recounting what happens in those early, early chapters in the Bible as he acknowledges both the place within and the responsibility to creation given by God to humanity. Our place in creation is one of honor. God created the heavens and the earth, the land, the water, the fish, the trees. Then he looked. He saw it was good, but he continued to create. He carries on. He wasn't done. We read in Genesis that God formed humanity in his own image, in his likeness, and therefore we are given a special place in the created order. The chapter uh, in Matthew, Matthew 6, reminds us of humanity in creation as Jesus speaks about the deep care that God has for his world and for us. We're told in Matthew 6 to look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? God provides for his creation because he loves what he created. And we're told that we are even more precious than the birds in the sky and the grass of the field, whether we feel like it or not, whether we think we should be or not. We're told that God will certainly provide for us, that he is mindful of us because he created us with love and he so loves what he created. When we come to a place where we forget what God thinks of us, where we worry about life, where we try to disregard our place 
in the created order. Maybe when we come to a place when we feel overwhelmed and we feel like we've tried so hard to be in control of the world around us. Jesus says, look. He says, look. Look at creation. Be amongst it. Look at what God has made in his power and love. Look how big and almighty and strong your God is. Look at what he cares for more than you could ever know. And then know that you too are a part of that creation, revealing his glory and his majesty in all the earth. I... I want, to, I want us to let the beauty of creation draw us into worship to the creator, to let ourselves be wowed, be stunned by the huge parts of the creation, right down to the very, very tiny, tiny details. I want to let ourselves have time to be wowed and to be stunned by the colors, by new life, by stillness, by the change of season. And as each part of creation reveals the heart of God to us, us also, as part of creation, we reveal God to other people. And we are given a place only a little lower than the angels. That's a privileged place to have within creation. And that means we also have a purpose to creation, a royal role to fulfill, a responsibility to act upon as we live and as we work as the people of God. In Genesis 1 and 2, we read that humanity is created and God puts them in a position to rule over the earth, to subdue the earth, a purpose to work and care for creation from a position of God-given authority. Now, you definitely don't need me to tell you that we have got that royal role as stewards of creation massively wrong. We have got that royal role and we have twisted it and we've basically thrown it out the window. We've messed up God's creation and there are huge steps that need to be taken to care for God's world. And that's a constant and a vitally important journey. And my prayer is that over the next few weeks, as we focus on the Psalms of creation, that we feel convicted, that actually it's a bit uncomfortable. I want us to feel convicted and compelled by the Holy Spirit to change our behavior, to forego the conveniences in our lives and work towards restoring God's creation that we have messed up, that we have mistreated, that we have damaged. Maybe that's quite overwhelming. Like, where do we even start? And we're not really going to do that much of that this evening. But I'd argue that caring about creation is the first step in caring for creation. I hope that makes sense. I think caring about it means that we care for it better. If I love it, I'm going to care for it. I want us to care enough about creation that we start caring for creation enough. My prayer is that we would care about creation like God cares about creation. And that's probably quite a big goal, 
but we've got to start somewhere. I'd love if tonight we could ask God to stir in us awe and wonder, just as a starting point as we think about creation, that we want to care about creation, love creation, and see the beauty and the wonder in it. I'd love us to pray for God to stir love and care within our hearts so that we actively and sacrificially cherish all that he's made and give him the glory for his beautiful creation. So soon we're going to pray, and I'd love us to pray uh, while we remember what it is that captures our heart. What were you thinking of? What picture was painted in your mind earlier? Let's remember what captures our heart about creation and pray that God tonight would cause us to fall in love with his world even more than we may already be so that we are pointed to him, so that we are pushed to worship him 10 times more like David does in his psalm. And then as part of our worship, to care for the world that he made for us to dwell in. So if you're up for it, um, I'd love you to turn in those groups that you shared uh, what captured your heart about creation. Uh, turn in those groups, and I'd love you to just simply pray uh, that God would stir your heart for creation, um, that he would do something within you uh, that causes you uh, to look, to see, to be in creation, and to give him the glory for all that he's made and all that he's done. Maybe uh, you're not really an outdoorsy person. I don't think it matters. I think we're called to love his creation and care for it but I think the first step is to care about it more than we do right now. Um, If you don't want to pray, that's totally fine. You can join a group uh, and be quiet, or you can just say to the people around you, I'd rather just sit and think um, alone. That's fine as well. Um, But for the next maybe uh, five or ten minutes, um, if you just want to pray that God would stir awe and wonder in you uh, for the creation that he so powerfully um, and graciously made for us.